0: Good morning. Good to see you this morning. Good to have you with us. Uh, if you're a guest of ours, and I've met several guests this morning, we are honored to have you worshiping with us today at Bay Area. Uh, glad to be together. I know we've got a lot of our youth group and chaperones that are still over in Orlando at SunQuest. They'll be traveling home today, so we'll be prayerful for a, a safe trip home for them. Anxious to hear how that weekend went. I want to thank you all, or most all of you, for wearing a name tag today. Thanks for doing that. I, I said that I wanted to make September a month to remember names. And so this whole month, I'm challenging us to all wear a name tag. And thanks for so many of you doing that. You know, there, there's sometimes that you see people, and you've known them for years, but you've got kind of a mental block on their names. And it was so nice today to be able to look at a name tag. I, I saw someone, I've known for a long time, and... Hey, great to see you, Martha. And there it was. You know, she had a name tag on. So, you know, it's great. Also, listen, big announcement. Big announcement. If you've read your handout, you've already read it, but um, there is a schedule change coming in the month of October. In October, our worship schedule is going to change just a little bit. Our worship will begin at 830 30. One service, 8.30 in the morning, worship first. Class will begin then at 10 o'clock. Say, well, that's a, that's a long break there. Well, we want to reintroduce our fellowship time here. You know, we keep talking about this 2.42 thing, get out there and fellowship, and then we realize we've kind of stifled that while we're in here. So we want to address that. Uh, class, starting in October, uh, class begins at 10. Worship begins at 8.30, not next week, Next month, okay? You're going to hear a lot about it. Some of you are still going to show up at the wrong time. But okay. Uh, so starting in October, worship service, our one worship service will be at 8.30 in the morning. You can do this. <laughs> Class will be at 10. It's going to help our fellowship. It's going to help our classes, by the way. Angie has some great things planned. Uh, and our kids with our, in Faith Lane, our new youth minister, is going to be here in October. We've got a new quarter, um, new classes, great teachers. So put that on your calendar. Well, However, you need to make a note of that, be sure and do that. We are spending some time talking about following Jesus. And we're spending a couple of weeks just talking about what that looks like, what that involves, what that costs. And this morning I want to talk to you about this idea of following Jesus with purpose. Jesus does a very interesting thing at the very beginning of his ministry. The the very first people that he invites into this adventure, he does it in kind of a unique way. He tells them, if you follow me, I will make you something that you're not. Now, we know the Jesus story pretty well. But I want you to imagine for a minute that you don't know very much about Jesus. You don't know very much about the Bible. And if Jesus came and said, I'm going to make you something that you're not right now, what would you imagine Jesus to want to make those people? Say, Well, I don't know, maybe make them more spiritual. Maybe Jesus is going to say, I'm going to make you more knowledgeable. Maybe he's going to say, I'm going to make you more morally pure. And and of course, Jesus wants us to be all those things. But how he begins here with this first group of followers, he says, I'm going to make you something that you're not. I am going to make you fishers of men. He's talking to fishermen when he says that, by the way. But he says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And they had no idea what he meant by that. And they probably weren't very interested in that at that point. Chances are when you became a follower of Jesus, you didn't really know what that meant either. You might not have been very interested in that either, but we study and we learn and we grow and we mature. And we find out that Scripture is very clear that we are here with a purpose. We are here to be fishers of men. Jesus says, I want you to follow me, and I want you to help other people follow me. I want you to be my disciples, and I want you to be disciples who help other people be disciples as well. Even when it's not comfortable. Even when it's kind of out of your wheelhouse. Even when it might not even be politically correct. I want you to follow me with purpose. I want you to help other people follow me with purpose. I want you to be disciples who make disciples. You know, you hear us talk a lot about discipleship. We talk a lot about that because Jesus talked a lot about that. Which, unfortunately, is where a lot of people pump the brakes. Wait a minute, I didn't sign up for that. I don't want to tell other people about Jesus. I just want to have a nicer life. I just want to be a better person. I just want to have a better family. I just want my my marriage to work out better. I, I just want to go to heaven when I die. I don't want to actually tell people about Jesus. And yet, the very last thing that Jesus said before he left this earth was, go into all the world and make disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you. Go make disciples. Disciples of what? Disciples of whom? I think we would all agree Jesus is talking about himself, right? Make disciples of me. I want you to help other people follow me. I want you to follow me and help other people follow me as well. So we have been... Commissioned (laughs) in a great way. We have been commanded to be makers of disciples. Not just prayers of prayers. Not just attenders of worship. Not just knowers of knowledge. We have been commissioned, we have been commanded to be makers of disciples. So this morning, I want to take a look at the instance in the life of a couple of those very first Jesus followers Some of those fishermen that uh, Jesus talked to. Two guys by the name of Peter and John. And the story that I want to look at this morning actually takes place after Jesus has gone. Jesus has already been crucified, raised, ascended to heaven. And in Acts chapters 3 and 4, Peter and John have an event that Luke records for us. Now I've preached on this passage several times before. But this morning, I want to attack it from a little bit of a different angle. Um, We're going to look at the story. We're going to set the story up, and then I'm actually going to jump to the end of the story. And then I'm going to work my way back to the middle of the story. Makes perfect sense, right? I'm going to start. we will go to the end. Then we'll work back to the middle. Trust me, I'm a professional, okay? So Acts chapter 3. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a, crippled from, uh, a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter and John are on their way to the temple. They see a man who has been lame from birth. This man has never walked. This man's job, his profession, was to beg people for money. That's how he provided for himself. That's how, that's how he lived. So he sees John and Peter coming toward him, and he goes to work. He begs for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. What did he expect to get from them? Money, silver and gold, what else? That's all he needed. That's all he wanted, at least. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. Now, if I were this man, I would be very disappointed when I heard that. Great. Just what I need, advice. Right? Think how many times somebody would walk by this man and say, hey, I don't have any money for you, but here's some advice. If I were you, here's what I'd do. Silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. Ready for this? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Here is a man who has never walked. Never in his life has he walked, and he stands up and starts to walk. And Peter and John sort of disappear into the crowd, all in a day's work for them. They're not the least bit surprised that this man begins to walk. Scripture says that he walked and then he leapt and then he praised God. He he created a bit of a stir, rightly so, right? I mean, people are looking around like, what is going on? I know you. I know this guy. We've seen him forever. He's been crippled since birth. What is he doing walking? What just happened? Peter sort of reappears. Peter says, I'll tell you what just happened. And Peter basically pulls out his notes from his sermon that he gave in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. It's in verse 12. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we've made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers has glorified his servant, Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he decided to let him go. You disowned the Holy and Righteous One and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that is given this complete healing to him as you can all see. The miracle and Peter's little sermon pretty quickly gets the attention of the religious leaders. And they were familiar with Peter and John. They knew that they were followers of Jesus. They knew that they'd been talking about Jesus, but now they're talking about Jesus in the temple. They can't have that. And so they go and they arrest Peter and John. But it's late in the day. So they decide, let's let them cool off in jail. Let them spend the night in jail. We'll deal with these two guys in the morning. So the next morning they bring Peter and John. What's going on? Verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, If we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else there's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. So now the problem for these religious leaders is, what are we going to do with these two guys? What are we going to do with Peter and John who just persist in talking about Jesus? So the decision is made, we'll intimidate them. We're going to shake them up a little bit. We're going to strike fear into their hearts. See if maybe that doesn't uh, quiet them down. So they called Peter and John back in. They called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Think about that for a minute. Because that's pretty much the message of our culture, right? Hey, you can believe it. You, you can feel it. You can raise your kids in it. You can live in it, but don't talk about it. Just don't talk about Jesus. Don't keep bringing Jesus up in every conversation. I mean, what you want to do in your own life, that's fine, but just don't talk about Jesus. Notice Peter's response. Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it's right in God's sight to obey you rather than God, for we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Interesting thing about this whole conversation here. Peter and John are speaking to religious men, okay? They're not talking to Romans, and they're not talking to pagans. They are talking to men who believe in God. In fact, they're talking to men who believe in the same God they believe in. They're all on the same page, with one little exception. Peter and John want to introduce Jesus into the equation. Other than that, you know, they're all in agreement here. So they're warned, they're told, don't talk about Jesus, Look again at verse 20. Peter's response. For we cannot help speaking about what we believe. That's not what he said, is it? This is really important. Peter and John say we can't keep quiet, not because we've got a different belief system. Not because we're disagreeing over some nuance of theology. Not because we're interpreting Torah different than you are. This isn't our opinion. This isn't some some, uh, debate about morality. This isn't about philosophy. Peter and John's response was, we can't help but talk about what we have seen and what we have heard. We have seen something. We didn't go into a corner and decide we're going to add something to Judaism. We're going to bring a new character into the story here, kind of spice things up. They're telling these religious leaders, listen, we did not make this up. Again, this isn't our opinion. We're not looking to find some following for ourselves. We're not trying to, to, to make some new cult here. We have seen something. We have heard something. Something happened in history. Something happened in this very city. And you can't expect us not to talk about what we have seen and what we had heard. Now the religious leaders, they want Peter and John to think differently. (laughs) And Peter and John are saying, this isn't about what we think. This isn't about what we feel. This is about what we know. We have seen something. We have heard something. And you can't ask us to unsee what what we've seen. And you can't ask us to unhear what we've heard. Let me tell you why this is so important. When we talk about following Jesus with purpose. When we talk about being disciples who make disciples. When we talk about following and helping other people follow as well. Because there's a lot of Christians who will say, I can't do that. It's not my gift. I'm too uncomfortable telling people about Jesus. I don't want to offend someone. You know, the climate we live in. I might lose my job. I might lose a friend. I don't want to get into an argument that, you know, that I'm going to look foolish. So consequently, we never talk about Jesus. We don't brag about Jesus. We don't give Jesus any credit for all the blessings that we enjoy as followers of His. We don't acknowledge Jesus in any way. But as Christians, don't we believe that something happened? Don't we believe that something happened in history? Something so enormous that it can't be ignored? Something so history-changing that you can't push it aside? Yeah, maybe there's questions that people ask me that I can't answer. Absolutely. But me being a disciple, trying to make other disciples, me being a follower, trying to help other people follow Jesus, isn't about me convincing you of my belief system. The issue is, what it really boils down to is, did something happen? Peter and John said, we saw it. We saw it with our own eyes. We heard it with our own ears. Which raises the question, what did they see? And what did they hear? What did they see and hear that was so significant that they would be willing to give up everything for it? I mean, another way to ask it. What did they see, what did they hear that was so significant that they were willing to say, you know, you can put us in prison if you'd like? Later on, you can, you can put us to death if you'd like. But we have to talk about what we have seen and what we have heard. So what was it? What did they see? What did they hear? Let's go, let's go back to the middle of the story, okay? Peter and John are before this group of uh, religious leaders, and they're going to give us some definitive reasons why they can't be quiet about Jesus. In chapter 4, verse 5, The next day, the rulers, elders, and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. They'd just been in prison. You know, they spent the night Peter and John had. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the other men of the high priest family. Now, I don't want you to miss how volatile this meeting was. I don't want you to miss who's there. Uh, We're told the rulers, elders, and teachers of the law were there. Then we're told Annas the high priest was there. Annas was the guy when it came to the pecking order of uh, Jewish hierarchy. He was the man. Remember in the temple there was one room, it was called the Holy of Holies, where one day out of the year one man could go into that room. That man was Annas. As far as the Jews were concerned, Annas was closer to God than anybody else on the face of the earth. Annas was at this meeting. We're told Caiaphas was there as well. Caiaphas was the high priest before Annas, incredibly respected. He he was kind of the grandfather of the priesthood for that generation. A very influential person. Caiaphas was at that meeting as well. Then we're told two guys named John and Alexander were there. And I don't know who those two men were, But people in the first century would have known John and Alexander. In fact, people hearing this would have said, wait a minute, are you telling me that Annas and Caiaphas and John and Alexander were all at this meeting, all in this room, all dealing with this issue? This was like the varsity of the movers and shakers when it came to Jewish leaders. Verse 7, they had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Okay, there's no denying that a miracle happened. We're not arguing that because we all see this man, we all know who he was, and we all know what he was. A miracle happened, but we know what you are as well. We know you didn't do this. So by what power or what name did this happen? Verse 8. Again, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we're being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it's by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Hit the pause button for just a minute. When Peter said the name Jesus Christ of Nazareth, there was a couple people in that meeting who winced. There's a couple of people in that meeting who knew exactly who Jesus of Nazareth was. Annas knew who Jesus of Nazareth was. Caiaphas knew who Jesus of Nazareth was. It wasn't very long ago that they were dealing with Jesus of Nazareth. Peter says, this miracle was performed in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified. Peter says, let me refresh your memory. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You crucified him. Remember, Caiaphas, you were there. Remember, Annas, you were there. This wasn't years ago. This was weeks ago. Jesus had been tried. They they broke their own laws to try him, by the way. He'd been convicted and and crucified. (laughs) They broke their own laws to crucify him. They brought in false witnesses to, to lie about Jesus. So Peter and John are surrounded by this very powerful group of men and they're asked by what power or name did you perform this miracle? It's The name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth whom you killed. How quiet do you think the room got then? Did you, you crucified him. But Peter doesn't stop there. But whom God raised from the dead that this man stands before you healed. Fast forward to our time. You want to know why we can't be quiet when it comes to Jesus? It's not because of some theological standard. It's not because we've interpreted Greek better than anyone else. You know, we're not trying to promote some new idea. We can't be quiet because just like Peter and John told those men, remember that Friday afternoon? Annas, Caiaphas, you leaders... You were there. Remember? Remember what happened that Friday afternoon? Jesus was crucified? You all remember that event, right? Well, guess what? God, who allowed him to be crucified, didn't leave him in the grave. Three days later, me and John stuck our head in an empty tomb. And then he talked to us. And he ate with us. And he appeared to 500 people at one point. Do you want to know why we can't be quiet? Do you want to know, uh, you leaders of the religions, you want to know why you can't intimidate us? Why you can't scare us? It's not because of our IQ. It's not because of our intellect. It's not because you can't ask us questions that maybe we can't answer. It's because of what we saw. It's because of what we heard. We saw it. Jesus was crucified. We saw Him put in a tomb. We saw the empty tomb. We saw the resurrected Savior. That's why we can't be quiet. It's not because of what we think. It is not because of how we feel. It's because of what we know. We saw something happen. So you, leaders, you know, you say what you need to say. You do what you're going to do. But as for me and John, we're going to talk about Jesus. We're going to tell people why we follow Jesus because of what we've seen and what we've heard. He goes on to tell them in verse 12, salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Now, when Peter said that, those people that he was talking to first would have been offended. But after they got past the audacity of what Peter just said, they would have been confused. What do you mean salvation is found in no one else? Don't you mean salvation is found in nothing else? Because for them, it was all about performance. It was all about how many prayers you prayed, how often you went to the temple, how many sacrifices you performed, how Many days you fasted, how much money you gave, how high you could jump, how low you could duck. I mean, it was all about status, it was all about performance. But Peter is really clear salvation is found in no one else. For there's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved, there's no other name under heaven given to men by which we can find forgiveness. There's no other name by which we can find grace. There's no other name by which we can find salvation. Listen, good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. Saved people go to heaven. And that is only because of Jesus Christ. It's worth talking about. Notice how they respond back. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Want to know why we follow Jesus with purpose? Because 2,000 years later, we still believe something happened. God sent His one and only Son into this world. His name was Jesus. He was born in Bethlehem. He grew up in Nazareth. He was crucified in Jerusalem. He walked. He talked. He lived. He breathed. Because of our sin, he was nailed to a cross. Three days later, God raised him from the dead. He stayed on this earth a little, little while longer. And then he ascended back to the Father. And one day he's going to come back and take us home. That's what we know. That's why we talk about Jesus. And when that message intersects with the human heart, I'm convinced something happens. That's a powerful message. Something happens because it's God's desire that all men everywhere repent. It's God's desire that all men everywhere follow Jesus and then help other people follow Jesus. It's God's desire that we are disciples, followers, who make disciples, followers. Our faith is rooted not in a set of rules, not in some obscure theory. Our faith is rooted in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who died on the cross for our sins, was raised back to life. That's where our faith is centered. And we've got to tell people about it. Now, listen... I know, today's message has been pretty much geared toward Jesus' followers, okay? Toward disciples, as we think about making other disciples. But I don't want to miss a chance to talk to anybody that might be listening or watching that isn't yet a follower of Jesus. Let me real quickly tell you what I know, not what I think, not what I feel. Let me tell you what I know. First, I'll share some bad news. You're a sinner. You're sitting beside a sinner. You are listening to a sinner. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It actually gets a little bit worse, by the way. Our sin separates us from God. Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death. That's bad news. Let me share some good news. Same reference. The gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. I give you more good news salvation is found in no one else. There's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. So, what do I do with that? How do I claim that? Here's what I know God wants you to repent of your sins. Luke chapter 13, Jesus said, unless you repent, you'll all likewise perish. Here's what I know. God wants you to confess Jesus as the Lord of your life. Romans chapter 10, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe with your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. Here's what I know. God wants you to be baptized. So does Jesus. Jesus commanded it. Again, words of Jesus, Mark 16, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever doesn't believe will be condemned. I think sometimes we make this so much more complicated than it has to be. God's not trying to trick you. He's not trying to back you into a corner. He wants you to take advantage of this unbelievable sacrifice that he made and that Jesus made for us to have a relationship with him. It really is as simple as that believe to repent to confess to be baptized he wants you to act on what you know so we want to follow jesus with purpose and the reason we follow with purpose is because we are convinced not that we're that smart not that we're worthy in some way but we're convinced that something happened Jesus died on a cross for me. And that's worth talking about. We're going to stand and we're going to sing a song of encouragement. As a church family, if we can help you in any way, we're going to invite you down to the front and let us know. Let's go ahead and be standing.